0: I see the life issue as the cement of all those other issues, and if we don't have that as the most important issue, everything else will be just planted on sand.
1: Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver, and remember you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. You just heard a soundbite of what it means to proclaim the dignity of life and defend it. You know, as Catholics, we're all called to make sure that we defend life from conception through natural death. We can all agree that life is a preeminent issue because if we can't defend life, all the other conversations or all the other issues that happen in our country really are meaningless because we need to make sure that we value human life. And today, our special guest is a surgeon, a colonel in the army, a religious sister, and happens to be one of the speakers at the recently held Republican National Convention. We need to take a page out of Sister's book so that we can be those staunch defenders of the faith, just like Sister Didi. Thanks for joining us today, Sister. Oh, Thank you for inviting me. You really became a celebrity last week, and I know, you know, you mentioned in your talk that, that you had prayed that the Lord could use you to really promote Life in this, you know, culture of death that we live in. But uh, did you ever think you'd be uh, have that kind of answer?
0: Um, I've had some miraculous answers in my life, but this one sort of beats all. I think. I mean, as far as the the quickness of a response, I I um, wasn't expecting it for sure, and I wasn't expecting the response. Even even with the invitation, I wasn't even expecting. I thought. I'm one of many speakers. No one's going to be even notice me, was my feeling.
1: Well, you know, it's amazing, you know, that, you know, I, I, I was mentioning to you before my daughter's uh, a sister, and we were in Washington State a few years ago when she was on mission, and people were pointing to her like, I didn't even know they still existed. So I yeah. think part of seeing, you know, seeing you inhabit on the stage probably – uh, you know, brought back fond memories for people and then, but did shock them, think, wow, do we still have sisters?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I have to say up front, um, you know, our our community, you know, our mother general, our community is um, the the general at houses in Rome, and we don't really know religious order does political talks per se. Correct. And I wasn't feeling as if this was a political talk. As As I said in the talk, uh, the the life issue supersedes politics. It's really ethical, moral, uh, spiritual, hum, hu- human. This issue uh, it's it's fought in the courts, but it's not uh, you know to make it so you know abortion became legal through the courts. Uh, we're fighting to take that away. Uh, I know so many. I've had an enormous response. Uh, gratitude. Um, some that have not been so gracious, uh, because I was a sister um, and thanked President Trump for the work he did, and I really wanted to just make this clear that mm-hmm. my intention was not to be a political speaker up there on the podium, but but a uh, but someone who was just representing uh, the pro the Catholic. Church in its um, response and and relationship to the life issues, which supersedes not just the unborn, but those at every level. Um, Despite the fact that many have made other comments that we don't, that the Trump administration doesn't care about the people after they're born, I don't believe that. So that was, I just wanted to say that up front because there's a lot of angry people out there who. Who were thinking thinking that I was doing making something political when I I was perhaps maybe just being at the RNC was but you know I just felt a priest spoke at the DNC a religious sister has spoken now three times at the DNC mm-hmm. um, Cardinal Dolan gave the uh, op- uh, gave a prayer at the RNC um, which he by the way because he's friends with my bro- with my brother who's a priest had sent a message to him saying, bravo, 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 Bill. <laughs> you know, Cardinal Bell. i had a few um, po- positive responses from those at the highest level, including um, an archbishop whom I work with in, in Iraq, uh, so Archbishop Warda. So I just felt, um, you know, you have to expect some a- attack. As my younger sister Mary said yesterday, you know, Didi, in the in world war two when the pilots were flying they said if the if you weren't feeling the bullets you were going the wrong way yep.
1: So. yep well I think that's a good point and you know and and your point about political not being political I couldn't agree with you more I think One of the things that that we find in the pro-life movement and with different faith communities and some even within the Catholic Church, they don't want to talk about it because they say it's political. But then you bring up, hey, this is a moral issue that's gotten hijacked politically. How do we avoid it, right? And I think that's what was so breathtaking and and really refreshing to hear you talk about the gift of life because that is the preeminent issue, and when we can't agree that life is sacred— then everything else kind of crumbles. So I I applaud you for getting up there, and I love your reasoning behind it because— and put it this way, the Lord, if He didn't want you to do it, would not have answered that prayer. So evidently, He thinks it's pretty important, too.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I feel that within my whole heart, because I didn't make this decision. I tell it to young people discerning religious life or making any important decision in their own life, I, um, I made that decision before the most blessed sacrament. I was in the chapel praying hard, um, just because, and I may mention this to you off air a couple of days ago, the, the world, it, not just the U.S., but the world is in a cloud right now of confusion and COVID viruses sort of help kind of gray the skies of, of our Clear thinking because people aren't able to go to the sacraments as they would normally, and so they're not able to go to mass regularly, um, go to reconciliation, to have that time before the blessed sacrament. So when they hear, you know, the rhetoric of uh, the the opposition, the you know, Vice President Biden, who is a, a you know, had promised to do a lot of things, reverse the Mexican law, all these things that that have been Turned around by um, this present administration, uh, including he wants to you know make sure that we get Supreme Court justices so that we can continue Roe v. Wade, the the land of the law, the law of the land of making abortion safe and frequent. And really, they don't Planned Parenthood won't admit it, but Abby Johnson clearly spelled it out that they want to make it frequent. And um, so I just felt in my heart, many Catholics uh, are confused, and I wanted, and and because the bishops perhaps aren't able to speak out as clearly for whatever reason, I just felt that someone had to say something. And uh, now again, I wasn't thinking RNC, but right, right. to speak out because they're not seeing very many. Uh, religious habits out there anyhow, but many that would speak out on the pro-life issue. Um, and so here I am, probably the most unworthy person, but, uh, you know, I guess I suppose I've been in five war fronts. I guess I could take the the uh, negative rhetoric as long as it, you know, doesn't create any harm to our, to my own sisters in community. I'll, I'll take any, any hits, but For the most part, it's been very positive. Um, You know, people are coming back to the faith. I'm getting phone calls from people just wanting to talk about their their own personal journeys, and I'm trying to keep up with it. It might take me several months to get back, but I promise that I will be calling people to you know talk to them and try to help them because that's really our mission as religious sisters is to help um, people in their journey in of faith. You know to to save souls and to bring as many as with us to heaven,
1: as I said in the talk. The other piece, and you just touched on it, was, you know, worrying about people's eternal soul, right? If we promote a culture of death, our soul's in jeopardy, isn't it?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, we are the most responsible. Um, We as religious have to speak out, even though it may be words that are difficult to hear. And um, we have to speak out with love and compassion, though, because so many have had abortions and they regret it. Yeah, and and so I don't want to speak with any judgment at all because right? I'm uh, I'm the worst sinner. Lord has given me a sinner, and I um, we're all on this together, and we just have to work at trying to go the straight and narrow. We make sometimes we steer off. We just have to kind of reconnect our north star, which is our Lord. And our compass and and uh I had the opportunity in in ninety seven the you know care for my friends here in DC and uh, she told me her last parting words I'll never forget was keep your eyes on the cross. And that's what I well we get in that stormy storm uh, stormy winter, and we the light is it's great, we can't see but we can see the the cross, just keep your eyes, because that's our, our compass, our north star, to keep us going for the Lord, who sacrificed his life for us. And as you mentioned earlier, if you don't support life, uh, first and foremost, everything will crumble. So I see, I see the life issue as the cement of all those other issues. And if we don't have that as the most important issue, yes, everything else will be just planted on sand. Yeah. And, and the bishops have, have said that the number one issue is life.
1: You know, the womb should be the safest place in the world, and it's the most dangerous for a child. Uh, so if we can have an understanding—and so one of the things that you know we're, we're battling here in, in Colorado is Proposition 115, which would end late-term abortion from 22 weeks up until birth— because we live in a state that was the first state to allow unlimited abortion at any time during pregnancy, and it's been going on since 1967. So, I mean, at, at some level, we need to understand that, look, abortion is wrong. It's, life begins at conception. But we need to be able to start defending these. And, and, and that's one of the things, you know, our, our slogan is yes on Prop 115, because this is kind of the flagship state for Planned Parenthood. And to be able to start repealing that and start saving children, it would be a huge black eye. And we have seen a groundswell from all political affiliations who agree that what's going on in Colorado is totally unreasonable. That, you know, most people, if you look at Gallup polls for the last two and a half decades, believe that third trimester abortion should be outlawed. Uh, more than 40 states have restrictions. So it really is in the mainstream. So what you were talking about was really mainstream. People realize there's something evil about abortion.
0: Mm. Absolutely. Um, you know, when you were speaking, you know, my mind was flashing with many of the negative responses that I had had. And one person in particular said, how dare you say that, you know, there's, there's anthracite. Um, but he says, there's no such thing as third trimester abortion. (laughs) And I was, I was kind of sitting there like, so what, what that told me and why many people are angry, why some people may be angry is because they're ill-informed. Oh yeah. So what I did was I just kind of Googled third trimester abortion. I think that there are some people who are ill-informed, and so they
1: don't really know the facts. Right. And you had also mentioned, was you were saying something about Maryland. Was there uh, an abortionist in Maryland?
0: There's third, yes. There's a third trimester abortionist there. We have one in our neighborhood, basically. Third trimester.
1: Well, we have one here in Denver, up in Boulder, who, uh, yeah. you know, is, is well known. As a matter of fact, during the coronavirus... People were coming from other states to get their abortion. You know, you would think Colorado would be a destination state for hiking or skiing or using the mountains. But it was it was becoming a destination place. And Planned Parenthood was promoting this to go come kill your child. Right. So, we you know, we lived during this. You know, we had the pandemic. You were mentioned the coronavirus. So our state decided that churches should be closed. But we ought to be able to keep open abortion clinics, pot shops, liquor stores and things of that sort because those were much more important to people than the churches.
0: Well, that was not just in Colorado. That was nationwide. I think many states, um, except maybe some that were run by... I think, like, I I believe um, some of the southern states were were trying to open up the churches. Right. Georgia and places like that. Yeah. Um, So we do have a... We have a lot of... um, work ahead of us as far as i think education of people many of these people who also are supporting this women rights group may not really be personally affected by it in the sense that they don't really as, as abby johnson said and i hope you could get her, her on your radio show she said you have to really see an abortion smell an abortion really you know to know what you're really talking about what you're trying to promote
1: yeah, I mean, you know, her her book Unplanned, which became a movie, you know, has changed many hearts, but it takes a lot of people to speak up. And I think, you know, the courage you had and you mentioned, right? You've gotten some some negative responses because people one are either uneducated or two their hearts are just so hardened. But your point was, look, we you want everybody to get to heaven, right? So you and everybody else should be preaching these things and talking about these things from the mountaintops of how important life is, because our souls and the souls of you know those that support this are in jeopardy, and we need to make sure that we get it right, and that's following the Lord Jesus Christ and His teachings, right?
0: Yes, and I think the, the ball is in the course now of our priests and our bishops in the sense that they need to preach about um, the reality of heaven and hell. And this new movie out on Fatima, I hear, you know, I love Fatima in so many ways. And, and, And the third secret, or was it, which one was it, that spelled out hell as a reality. So, you know, we have to realize that there is that other side that we have to work at not going to. And so supporting the most vulnerable Is a is a good way. The unborn is our protection of our unborn is our ticket to heaven.
1: Well, you got that. And then the other thing is right. I think you know the people that disagree with us, the people that you know responded in not a very uh, charitable way to you, are souls that need to be saved too. Right? We don't need to view them as the enemy. We need to view them as souls that need to be changed, either through education, especially through prayer. And I think, you know, when the Lord kind of let you loose and gave you the opportunity, part of that is, right, save souls. I can't imagine that wouldn't be one of the preeminent reasons for doing it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: So you've done it. That's a, right. Yeah. Have you, have you had a lot of people reach out to you in a positive way too, though? Oh,
0: yes, Oh, yeah. I mean, I would say 98% of the people have been so positive um, and then... You know, just a small percentage, but you know, I'm the type of person that you know, I get one criticism and I feel horrible. <laughs> um, but <laughs> some people think, "Oh, she must be a tough cookie, being a colonel and a surgeon, and all that." But no, I'm not. I'm, I'm a, you know, uh, tender-hearted. I think a uh, person, and all these things that have occurred are only because of the, of the grace of God. And I wanting to be his instrument from the very beginning is to be his doctor, and to be uh, the colonel thing just happened because of September 11th, and that's a whole different story. Um, it's just that I happened to be in the military um, and was phasing out to become a little worker of the Sacred Hearts, but then two twin towers fell, right, and the world changed, and so you know, uh, so that's. That just in the in the medical corps is not uncommon if you, if you're serving long enough that you have you obtain that rank. So that's not a, as we sort of have an easy road in that regard. We meaning the doctors, but um, you know.
1: Uh, well, I don't know how e- I don't know how easy it is, sister. I mean, you guys are seeing things that most people one would never want to see. And, and you know, you're letting Christ use your hands to save the lives of people, right? I mean, I think uh, you're, you're, you're maybe underestimating really that importance. You know, titles are titles, but, you know, but saving I mean, lives and, and doing that. Yeah. Good.
0: Well, you know, we, we get—I um, feel happy. I uh, did part of my training at St. Angus in Baltimore and then the last four years at Georgetown. And it was—we were in the days when we were on every other night, um, on call a lot— in the hospital, we lived in the hospital. And that training was geared to help you not get too emotionally wrapped up with the trauma that came through. And so you, it's sort of like a, a preparation for, for all the things that can happen. So I, I'm grateful that I had that opportunity. And quite honestly, some of the, of the most challenging um, and rewarding cases were when I was overseas working in Africa. And you know especially like sudan that was that was a more of a war-torn um, battlefield than I ever experienced in the army except when I was in Afghanistan but in Afghanistan, I was in the, in the comfort of a bombproof hospital but i I just fell in love and re- learned to respect and admire our soldiers who are out there to protect our country so the we they don't sleep so we sleep at night and we have the most incredible group of men and women serving our armed forces and i was very honored to be there to, to help serve them but it was a medical it was a missionary work that really had me to be exposed to some horrific traumas that i won't go through on the show but right um just a good preparation for what what we need to
1: do as doctors. Well, and I think, you know, it's a good reminder, right? We're all in God's army, right? We are the Church militant, and we just can't yes. be passive and just let things go by and hope somebody else will do it. You know, the Lord is calling each and every one of us in our own way to defend life, whether it's, uh, you know, speaking at a, at a national platform or talking to a friend or a relative. We're all called to do that, right? And I think— it takes courage, right? We need those gifts of the spirit to be able to have that wisdom, that courage, that fortitude, to go out in a world that doesn't really want to hear what we have to say.
0: Right. It's, and I think that just it means deep, deep prayer. Um, I can't do what I do without that, and I'm really blessed. Someone asked about the COVID, and I, and we take care of elderly sisters who are my heroes, and so because of COVID now we are. We're having adoration, um, for the most part, three times a day, you know, right at, we have a priest who, um, is a canon lawyer student at Catholic Q who is studying, um, who's from Hong Kong. So we have the traditional Latin mass every day. Uh, and not all our sisters have that, but we do have daily mass, but ours is, happens to be, and I'm falling in love with the traditional Latin mass. Right. We have adoration three times a day. We're praying the rosary. Our mother general wanted us to do it anyhow three times a day. We're doing the 54-day novena and we're praying the prayer that Archbishop Vigano um, requested that we pray for our the healing of our country. And so we are infused with prayer and I mean I'm grateful for my two older sisters, Sister Marta and Sister Lycha, who are the 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 leaders of that in this little content of ours. So I think that's really, we have to, we have to really do it with prayer. We have to, we have to use that time with prayer. Uh, without it, I think we would, we might lose our direction. So I want to encourage people if in the, who are in the pro-life movement to really begin with a, some form of reflection, some, maybe some form of prayer in the morning. Try to go to mass every day. Uh, we're going to be under attack for the next three months. Try to go to confession weekly if possible. Um, or at least every month, we have to be in the state of grace. And I'll think of one of the greatest, uh, spiritual warriors was Joan of Arc. Yep. Who, when she was before the canon lawyers and they said, Joan, are you in the state of grace? If she said yes, she would have been, uh, burnt as a, as a witch. If she said no, she would have been, you know, just someone who was, uh, a, a fake. Yep. So she, her answer was a prayer. She knelt down and she said, Lord, if I'm in the state of grace, please keep me there. Lord, if I'm not in the state of grace, please put me there. And so that's really, every day, because we are going out to that battlefront of the, I say, the invisible enemy, which is the, the devil. Um, I don't mean, the, you know, these disgruntled Catholics. I mean the yeah. real
1: devil. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Who, who's uh, real, you know, yes.
0: That we don't really always see, but creates this um, horrible rhetoric um, with people to, so that we, we, we are doing the best we can to be the instrument for our Lord and that we are open to him. We empty ourselves of our own will and our own desires and let him fill us with what he wants us to do, whether it be the, you know, staying at home and praying all the time or going out and praying 40 days for life in the, um, uh,
1: in front of a plan, but in front of a, which, which starts in a couple, three weeks. Yeah.
0: Yeah, or, or, um, you know, writing letters, making phone calls, whatever way we can to try to, to educate people. The Sisters for Life have that great mission. Um, I see them every year at the March for Life. That's their yep. most important mission. Ours is life, but we do 10 million other things as well, teaching and whatnot. But it's every religious sister's mission, quite honestly, to be a promoter of life. So, um, that's why I was a little concerned about that one sister speaking at the DNC who said one it's not it's above her pay grade, and two, sometimes she thinks abortion is okay. And I think it it was her words that really knocked me on my knees. Yeah, she said no, 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 no. We cannot confuse our laity and think that it's okay to abort. Sometimes it's not.
1: Well, can you There's imagine? No, can you imagine ever. standing in front of the Lord and your judgment and saying? When the Lord says, what did you do to defend life? And you say, well, Lord, it was above my pay grade. And, you know, sometimes I think you didn't get it just right, because there are times we should be able to kill the gift you're trying to give us. Can you imagine even that even popping into your head? Well, you
0: know, <laughs> I, no, I can't imagine it, because I can't imagine a religious sister talking that way.
1: Anybody, but afraid. let alone a religious sister, Any, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so...
0: So that's what was the—I guess you can thank Sister Simone, I guess is her name, for
1: my prayers. (laughs) Well, it it worked, and it was great to have you on. We can't thank Sister Dee Dee enough for not only coming on our show, but being a public witness to the faith, not worrying about the consequences, not worrying about who liked it or who didn't like it, but speaking the truth in the face of a culture that really has embraced death. Each and every one of us need to take a page out of sister's book to make sure we are willing to not only articulate but defend the faith at all costs.